Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. Weekend edition means you get two for the price of one, Saturday as well as Sunday. Uh, today, Cheryl Crow uh, is coming to New Zealand with Melissa Etheridge, so Jack Tang caught up with her. Uh, Adam Hall has uh, won Paralympic gold at the uh, Winter Paralympics. Uh, we have one of the Umbilical Brothers uh, for you, and Jack r- recalls times in his family van or something. Uh, but first up, John Wright, famous cricketer, now budding musician. I don't know what's happening. Driving into in the U. How did it all happen? How important is music to you? Oh, well, it's, it's quite interesting. It's sort of taken on a bit of its life of its own. I've been around in music all my life, really. I went, I was at, um, when I went to boarding school, I was in, I was in the, the school choir, um, which I loved. It's, it's the best thing I've ever done. It, it, you know, um, if you're out and you're singing four-part harmony, Everyone knows, so uh, that's something that I sort of, I had a guitar and, um, you know, university and, and I've always sort of loved music. Um, it's been a big part of my life. But, um, this is really just a hobby and it sort of evolved um, a little bit further than I, I thought it would. Who were your musical influences when you were at university, when you were sort of playing, you know, sort of first class cricket? Um, well... The first guy I really liked, and no one will probably know his name, is a guy called Gordon Lightfoot. He's a Canadian musician. Um, he wrote great songs. Um, and then, I mean, I was at the university in the 70s, so the Beatles and Rolling Stones. The, I loved Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, because they're just a fantastic um, Dylan. You know, all the, all the usual stuff. But I, I've always thought that um, people of my generation have been so lucky because we grew up with just great music and the others great thing about it is that you know you go it long and generally if you if they could play it on the stage you know it was real music and so um i've enjoyed it it's weird that he um he quotes bands like rolling stones and crosby stills nash and young and yeah he makes music that sounds like this it's not quite the same we might just leave John right there for now, to be honest, and uh, speak to a slightly more successful musician, Cheryl Crow. So, so when did you meet Melissa? You know, I don't remember the first time I met Melissa, but um, I could probably venture to say that it might have been on the Lilith tour, which was in 1994, I right? Or nineteen ninety six. Um, but like I said, we. we We've had mutual friends for years and, and used to cross paths quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, we, we had wondered if it might have been uh, as early as 1987, because I think that, that was when you were uh, hired as a backup singer for Michael Jackson. That's right. I was on the road with Michael Jackson. And, you know, I, yeah, I might have met her on that tour, but, you know, obviously she wouldn't have known who I was. So yeah. I, I, can't, I, I can't remember. Goodness, that must have been an incredible experience, performing alongside Michael Jackson at the height of his fame. That was, what, the Bad Tour, 1987, playing places like Tokyo in front of 75, 80,000 people? Yeah, it was amazing. In fact, that's the first time I came to uh, Australia was uh, with Michael. One of our first, I think we started in Japan and we wound up going to Australia. And then at the end of the tour, we came back to Australia. Never got to go to New Zealand, but... Um, yeah, it was fantastic. So there you go, ex-Michael Jackson backing singer Cheryl Crow.
don't quite know why people do that when they're interviewing people sometimes. Just pull out those ran- random little facts that nobody really cares about. But anyway. Ben, you're being so cynical today. It's the weekend edition. Just relax. Let's just revel in some uh, Olympic success, or some Paralympic success anyway, with Adam Hall uh, won gold in whatever it's called. Just watching the footage, pretty emotional. Did you sense that you had the gold medal in the bag off the back of your, uh, off the back of your run? Um, you know, we, uh, after the first run, it was obviously, it was a pretty, pretty tight race going into that final second run, and you know, we just had to make sure that we stuck to our processes and didn't get, you know, too far ahead of ourselves and, um, you know, think that we had already had the medal. We had to just stick to stick to our gun, so to speak. And, you know, we knew with a, with a tight race after that first run that it was there for the taking if I wanted it, um, which meant that I just had to go out there, stick to my processes and ski out of my skin. Um, and I don't know what happened. I'm still trying to have it all sink in and, and come to reality but you know that was one amazing run that I was able to, to stick down which was really incredible um, you know leading into yesterday I had a couple of training runs and training days um, that didn't go so well it's probably the worst that I've skied all season um, and so to be able to back that up yesterday uh, absolutely astonishing and um, yeah unbelievable really. What is the key to going well in the slalom? What do you need? Where do you need to be good when you when you come through the gates? When you come down the mountain? Yeah, you know, slalom is a huge technical event. Um, there is so much going on so quick, um, and if you make any bobbles, I mean, slalom, you're always going to be making bobbles. There's always going to be mistakes here and there. So it's all about who can get down there with the least amount of mistakes. If you do make the mistake, having that skiing intelligence to be able to adjust and adapt. Yeah, certainly um, it'd be well beyond my skills as a skier. I think I'd start as an able-bodied skier at the beginning of the slalom and I'd finish as a Paralympian by the time I got to the bottom. I don't know what that event is called, but I think that'd be my only chance for success. Uh... My, my, I feel like my jokes are falling flat today. Let's talk to somebody who's genuinely funny. Uh, this is uh, one of the umbilical brothers, Shane Dundas. I've watched quite a bit of your stuff, of course, because I've got um, I've got a, a five and a seven-year-old, and I was like, the umbilical brothers, don't they do some sort of adult stuff as well? Yeah, that's right. I think you, it might have been the Upside Down show that you watched. Oh, potentially. I, I can never remember, but you guys seem to be everywhere. But it's not your first visit to New Zealand, is it? No, we've uh, we've done a bunch of visits. Although it's been uh, several years since we've been over, we've we've missed it. And yeah, this new show is, as you mentioned, it's 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 a kids show, but it's not suitable for kids. It's basically a, a kids show that goes terribly, terribly wrong to the point where no child should actually see this show. So so you can't bring your kids, I hate to tell you. I must you. say, as I was reading that, I thought, hang on a minute, hang on, have I misread this? But um, I'm, I'm grateful you've, uh, you've explained that to us, actually. So do not bring the children to it. I mean, how would you describe your style of comedy? I mean, it's easy to... People like to put labels on things, and some people describe it as a high-concept slapstick. Um, <laughs> would yeah, that be about I right? Yeah, it, it's always... You've seen our stuff, and, you know, good luck explaining it. All you can say is watch some stuff on YouTube and you'll get get a sense of it. I I would say it's slapstick delivered with a stand-up attitude to slapstick. 
So in other words, it's not just slapstick, it's sort of uh, making fun of the act of doing slapstick in, this, in, in the same breath. Uh, meta slapstick. If you think know. of people doing comedy on stage these days, it's just the sort of the guys standing up doing the monologue. I, I guess people wouldn't immediately picture you guys as, uh, when they think of st- stage stand-up comedians. There's uh, Tim Beveridge standing in for uh, Kerry McIver yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realise that when I'm doing this podcast, there's a lot of physical comedy involved in it as well. It's unfortunate that it is just an audio podcast, so you don't it doesn't necessarily translate. But, you know, I am actually using a lot of props. Um, there's a lot of gestures, a lot of sort of dance moves, funny walks, that sort of stuff. You should see it. It's, it's really good. Uh, Going to finish up here with Jack's uh, reminiscences over his dad and his family's van. When I came home, I would drive it around and take my friends to parties. Dad suppressed his rage when I backed it into a basketball hoop. And when my sister was married, my dad pinned an old-school chitty-chitty bang-bang horn to the side of the van. You know, one of those kaboopa, kaboopa, ones, one of those to the side of the van. And he used masking tape to make a big sign on the front. My sister arrived at her big day in a big white dress, rolling in a big white van. Her bridesmaids were all sitting in the back with her, and the masking tape on the front of our big white van read, Bride's Ride. Dad kept honking the horn, Gabooba, Gabooba, Gabooba. In 28 years, it was the white van's finest hour. And then he sold it. None of us wanted to talk about the day very much, least of all, Dad. But last week he drove it over to Nelson. One last big journey. One last twist of the manual choke. 28 years of white vans. And Dad traded it in. What do you think he replaced it with? Go on, use your imagination. Dad bought a brand new manual white ute. (laughs) You know, it's white. So it can be seen on the road. Hey, just one question. How do you back something into a basketball hoop? Those things are like 10 feet off the ground. But do you... you there must be quite a run-up and then there must be some kind of ramp involved. Are you doing some backward jumps? And uh, No wonder he was angry about that. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, that has been News Talk ZB, the weekend edition. Uh, we'll see you back here again with a 10-foot high edition tomorrow.